Thanks for being in church. Whether you are in your living room, whether you're in your bathroom, whether you're taking a walk, whether you are hanging out with the whole family around the, the, the man cave, wherever you are, we're just honored that you're here. Uh, for those of you in the room, it is an honor to see you in the house of the Lord. Why don't you put your hands together? Woo! Yeah, there it is. Well, 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 well. Well, do I have a word for you today? I've been practicing this one. No joke. The whole series we're doing, this word I had from about a month and a half ago because I knew I wanted to do this right after our big day. And so we had our big day this week. And so this message has been prepped. Uh, whether, whether you follow the Republicans or the Democrats, whether your heart's joyful or sad, this word is for you. So welcome home. Uh, we're probably going to lose some people as I go through this message, but everything I'm saying is from the Word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's from the Word, it's from the Word, it's from the Word. If you're in the chat, say, it's coming from the Word, it's from the Word. Anyways, um, so, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us in a moment, and then we're going to jump in and dive into the Word. Uh, it is going to be a little bit offensive, but if you're going to offend anybody, you need to make sure the word is offending you, somebody, and not my thoughts, but it's the word of God. So that's what I'm excited about today. Uh, you're not going to clap a lot during the sermon because it's not going to be um, what you hear popularly around our culture, but it is the word of God. So I have the responsibility of teaching the whole counsel of God. So if you're going to drop out, this is a good time to drop out because we're teaching the whole word today. Woo! Um, if you're, ex if you are, listen, come here. If you are, this is before I pray. After I say this, you're going to know why I need to pray. If you are incredibly delighted and happy and, and, and cannot believe it, all your prayers, every last one has been answered and your candidate won. Or if you are so sad and you're depressed and you're walking around like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Then this word is for you. <laughs> I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. If you're in either category, this word is for you. Because my concern is that there's going to grow up a generation that trusts more in politics than they do in God. I tell you, you don't need a clap. I'm good today. I don't need none of, none of y'all's encouragement. Oh, I'm preaching the word today. I've been, I've been locked and loaded on this one for a minute. So let me say it again. I am concerned that there's going to grow up a generation that believes in politics more than they believe in the God that you say you serve. And it's because they have watched our actions and our actions dictate that we trust in the White House, whether of who is there or not, more than we trust in God. Somebody got to say it. So today is the day. Here we Let's pray, and then let's jump in. <laughs> let's pray. Father, thanks for the day. Um, we're going to need you, Lord, because somebody's going to be offended, and they're going to be ticked off today. But God, I pray and I beg you that they will not hear me, but they will hear your heart. God, it's significant to vote. It's significant to make sure we're aligning with your word. But at the end of the day, what matters it's not elephants or donkeys, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. So God, I pray that you will help us not to compromise our faith because of how much we trust in other things apart from Jesus. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You still with me? It's okay if you walk out today. You're not going to offend me because I'm preaching the whole counsel of the word of God. <laughs> Anyways, all right. So um, Joshua chapter 24 is where we're going to hang out today. Joshua is 110 years old. He's about to die. He has his final words that he is saying to his people. Listen, the people have... have um, um, I've gone through the entire land of Canaan. They've won all the battles. They're excited. The promise that God gave them has now reached the point of payoff. They're really excited. They've gone all the way through the process. God has been with them. He has delivered them. He has gone before them. He has come back behind them. He has protected them. He has guided them. And now they have what they all have prayed for, longed for. God has blessed them with it. And now Joshua's concern is, hey, I'm a little concerned because I, I think I think that complacency is going to set in. He's a little concerned because I think now, because you have attained all of this, now his concern is that you might try to mix gods. You might try to, th- you might try to say to yourself, you got here by yourself and God didn't get you here. You might try to say that you need to worship somebody else or you need to blend a little bit of Yahweh God with a little bit of the gods of the Amorites. And jo- uh, uh, Joshua is concerned that the, the people of God, because of all of this success, now they're going to walk away from their faith. So he's saying to them, actually, not only is he saying, he believes that they're going to make the wrong decision. He believes they're going to, Joshua's going to say, choose, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He is concerned, and he's convinced, actually, that they're going to say, no, not us. We kind of like the gods of the Amorites. We kind of like the gods of of, of, of the Jordan. We kind of like the gods of the Euphrates River. We kind of like those gods. So we want to mix a little bit of those God in with Yahweh. And Joshua is saying, hey man, you cannot do this. You must make sure you don't do this. You must be witnesses of Yahweh. And so what he's going to do in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, he's going to recount every single thing that this God has done. He's going to recount how God has been there for them. He's going to recount all the things that God has done. 17 times he's going to say, here's what God's done. I brought you out. I went before you. 17 times in the first 13 verses, God is going to say over and over and over again. In the time of Moses, here's what I did for you. In the time of, in the time of Joshua, here's what I did for you. In the times of Abraham, here's what I did for you. And he's going to recount it over and over and over again. Here's why. Because he's concerned that they're going to trust in something else apart from Yahweh. This weekend, we talked to Dr. Floyd at the women's conference, and she shared with us the fact that uh, she's the provost of Dallas Community College District, and she shared with us that uh, she went after a job. Uh, there's, a, there's a job for the uh, provost, and that's, that's not the one she wanted. She didn't even know that she was going to be able to get that job. The one she wanted was the president of one of these smaller schools. She went after the first one at Mountain View. She didn't get it. She went after the second one at Brookhaven. She didn't get it. 
She tells us in her story about a time in her life when she was really frustrated with God. She had a law, a doctor in a law degree and a doctorate in education. And she should have by now had the qualification to get one of these positions. But she was overlooked both times. And in her mind, she had done the preparation. She had done, uh, gotten the coaching. She had done everything she could to make sure she was rightly situated to get this job. And she didn't get the job. And so now she gets mad at, at, at the system. She gets mad at God. And God reminded her of the two hour, two a.m. calls that he and her used to have. And she said, I had to go back and remind my soul and, and, and have my relationship with God be tightened up so that I can remember that I am not defined by a position. I am defined by who God says that I am. And after she did that, listen to what happened. After she got it right inside, then God worked it out for her. So here's, the, here's my statement. Here's my thesis statement. In me, before for me. In me, before for me. So God had to get her right, align her with what God wanted her to do, and then God did the impossible. He said, I, I didn't just want you to be a president. I wanted you to be over all the presidents. So then he leapfrogged her over the position she was going after to get to the provost position, which now oversees all the presidents. Let me tell you what God's after for you and me. He's after the transformation in me before he will work for me. Too many Christians want him to work for me before you want him to transform you on the inside out. I came by today to tell you, family, OCC fam, that God wants to work in you and he wants no competing deities to ever rival him. And until you do that, then you're holding him back from working for you. Here's the thesis. He wants you to, he wants to work in you before he can work for you. And too many Christians have, have politicized this deal so that you think it is somebody else working for you, but it is God working for you. And he's going to be convinced. He's not going to stop until he's convinced that you are allowing him to transform your heart. This is what Joshua is trying to tell the people. Be careful, folks, he says, because you are going to, you're going to raise up a generation coming behind you. That's going to walk away from God when they watch what you are depending on. You remember the book of Judges, don't you? Here's what happened in the book of Judges. One generation gone. And here's what happened. In the book of Judges, the text says, last verse says this. And there grew a generation that did not know God. There was a generation that had nothing to do with God because of the actions of the parents. I wonder, one family, if there is a generation raising up behind us that's going to walk away from God because we trust in everything else except Yahweh. There is, therein lies my entire problem with this entire system that I've watched for the last two years. I am concerned that we're trusting in something that we should not be trusting in. And it bothers me deeply. So let me show you what he's concerned about. He's concerned about the fact that you're going to take the purity of God. And then you're going to take some idol in your life. And you're going to say, God, this is who you want me to be. You want me to have a relationship with you that look like this. It's pure. It's all about God. And then we're going to take some gods. 
and we're just going to watch it now, drop it in and mix it together with Yahweh and some other form of God. And before you know it, it ain't going to be Yahweh you serving no more. It's going to be another mixture of Yahweh and somebody else. You say, Pastor, I don't get it. I don't get it. Let me show you how it looks. This is why you can come to church. This is why you can log on to church. And you can listen to the word of God. And then right after church, you can cuss out your spouse. You know why you can do that? Because there is God, a form of him, mixed with your own God of your own self-centeredness and your own desires. And when this happens, guess what your kids see? Not the purity of God that you're trusting, but this version of God. And when they say they don't want to have anything to do with this God, you're going to say, why did my kids walk away? Because this is what you were modeling for them your whole life. Not the purity of your relationship with Yahweh. Can I get a witness, somebody? Be very careful, church. It is the dilution. It is the, it is the mixing of gods that become a problem as the children of Israel went one generation later. And they said there arose a generation, listen, that didn't know the stories of the past. There arose a generation that didn't know that God was that good or that great. They didn't know it because we trust in cars. We trust in ourselves. We trust in how much influence we have, but not in Yahweh. So then let's see what the text has to say. How does he address this? How does he prepare them for it? Which is what I want to do to you. He then, the verse verse of chapter 24 reads this. It reads like this. He says, Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. Say Shechem three times for me, please. Where did he assemble them, everybody? At? No, that's not all of you. At? One more time. At? No, Shechem is important. Don't miss Shechem now. Shechem is important. Every word in the Bible is important. That's why you don't just read by and rush by a passage of Scripture. Shechem is vitally important. Because Shechem is an incredible experience in a place where they have to remember all the things that happened here. Let me tell you what happened in Shechem. In Shechem, if you have your notes, turn there. If in Shechem, the, uh, three things happened. You have Abraham. This was where everybody got the, um, got the seed of the promise. Shechem. If you're looking in your notes, you have three words, uh, blanks. The first one should be um, the promise. The second one should be the process. The third one should be the payoff. The promise, the process, the payoff. The promise, the process, the payoff. Here's what's happening. They're at the point of payoff now. They have, they have um, gotten their inheritance. They have captured the land. They are in the land flowing with milk and honey. This is where they're supposed to be. They got the payoff. Joshua is going to bring them back to the promise. What happened in Shechem? This is where God gave Moses, Abraham, the promise. So here's what it looks like. God said, hey, Abe, this is the seed. This is the promise that I have for you. You can't see it yet. You don't know what it's going to look like yet, but it's in seed form. So first thing I want you to know, and the first, the first principle on your notes today says this. Listen, fam. It says that sometimes you have to leave people that are close to you to embrace the promise God has for you, to even though you don't know how it's going to unfold in the future. Listen to me, fam. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. He had to leave his dad 
who didn't want to go any further. And he had to embrace the seed form of the promise. He didn't see no land yet. There was no land to be There was no battle to be fought. All he had was the seed of the promise. And God saying, through you, I'm going to build a great nation. Through you, I'm going to give you a great land. Through you, I'm going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. He had to leave some people, his parents, his dad, left Terah, so that he could go to where God is calling him. I wonder if there's anybody here today that has to leave a relationship because that relationship is holding you back. I wonder if there's somebody today that has to leave, but you're so attached and you're so stuck and you don't want to leave because you're concerned, you're concerned that if you leave, you don't know what the future is going to look like. That's why you need to trust God. No, parenthetically, let me remind you of something. If you have another covenant and God said, so you can't say, well, yeah, you know, I need to leave my spouse because they need. So don't, don't, don't say that this is what God's saying to you. Some people are crazy, y'all. Some people hear that statement. I'm talking about, I know I'm married, but the pastor said, I need to leave because you're holding me back. So I'm gone. Listen, listen. Hey, 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 come on over here. You, you, you can't violate one promise and one covenant to then go do another. Okay? You got to honor the one you're with. So I'm not talking about if you marry. I'm talking about if you would somebody or some friend that's holding you back and you need to cut them off so that you can go appreciate and run in the direction of the seed that God has for you because it's only a promise. But number two, the reason, the reason my boy uh, Joshua took them here was because this is where the, point, the place of the seed was. Now, second thought is then you oftentimes have to go back to the point of origin to really appreciate how far you've come. Because if you don't go back, you're going to walk around thinking you did this by yourself. That's the problem. That's the problem partially with this country. You think it is you and it is us and it is the people that have brought us here and not realizing the grace of God in our lives the entire time. That's why he had to recount. Here is what God did. 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 17 to 18 times he had to remind them, don't think you did this by yourself. God is the one that graciously allowed you to get to the place where you're at today, which is why this is so important, which is why you need to teach your kids that. Don't ever just enjoy the benefits of the house you win. This is not what got you there. You had, you had nothing over here and you had to work things out to get where you are today, which is why you must always recount, which is why you must always write it down. Look at what the Lord has done because if you don't, you're going to be tempted to believe your press report that you're all that and you're not. It is the God in you that brought you this far. And your kids must know that. Your kids must know it is God who brought you this far. If, you're, if they don't, they're going to grow up. I am pleading with you, just like Joshua did. They're going to grow up and think it's all in their power to pull off the impossible. And it is not in their power. It is in the power of the living God. It is God that has brought us through this. I told you, I need your help today. Because I'm on God's side in terms of the word of God. This passage is so rich and so telling for our generation today. It really, really is. So, so let's go. So we go through the promise. 
We get, we get to the process. The process is where, you know, everybody thinks the process is like this, but that's not how the process is. The process is God's going to take you like this and then like this because he has to teach you some stuff because he has to develop you along the way so that by the time you get to the end, you have the muscles to handle whatever the issues are that you face. See, so he's on a journey. It starts with a seed. And then, as I said last week, he starts developing your faith. And he goes and he says, yeah, but this is not good enough, so let me take you to the wilderness. Now I've got to make you march around for 40 years, depending on me, trusting me. That's why you ought to trust me for food, so I'm going to send manna from heaven. But I'm not going to send enough for 40 days. I'm going to send enough for one day so that you learn where this comes from and you trust me the very next day for fresh manna coming from, the, from, from heaven to feed you. That's because he's trying to develop your faith. Watch what he does. He continues and he says, that's why. Now I'm going to take you all the way around the wilderness. I'm going to teach you how to follow your leaders and honor you, the leader above you, because I place them there. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, I place them there. So I want you to honor the person above you because they really are not the ones that have the power. I do. So I want you to watch what I do when I lead the people over you. Listen, family, here's God's structure. I put them there. They have to honor me. If they don't honor me, you don't, you don't take it into your own hands. I will discipline them when the time is right because it's not based on your power. It's based on God's power. And God is the ultimate one that rules and puts people in place and takes them out of place and put the next one in place and take them out of place. That's why you don't remember leaders from 400, 500, 1,000 years ago because they're a footnote. That's why you remember the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because his name is the only name that you're going to remember. They're just here. Don't make your whole worldview before years. Come on, family. Don't make it. That's short-sightedness. There is a king who really is in charge, and he is in the ultimate house. And that's the house we appeal to more than any other house. Can I get a witness, family? He's developing our faith. He's developing our faith. He's developing our faith. He's teaching us how to trust him more. It's the same thing he does with his disciples, by the way. You ever notice that? That's why with his disciples, he does all these miracles. Because here's what he's trying to convince them. I am the God who is over the sick. That's why I can call somebody who is sick and heal them immediately. I am the God who is over nature. That's why I can calm the sea. I am the God. All he's doing is teaching his disciples, you can trust me, which is why when he left, he left the church in great hands because these men knew that God is all they had. Where is the generation of believers today that are really trusting God? And not just trusting in the people who think they got power. Where's that generation? He's trying to grow your faith. That's why he wants you to move from there to here. Because he wants your faith to be so strong that everybody around you will say, Wow, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And I want to follow them as they serve the Lord. But when they see you join the rest of them, and when they see you put your trust in somebody else and not in Yahweh, there is a problem for the generation coming up behind you. Because they're going to think, I don't need God. All I need is to have power myself. Be careful, fam. It's a very dangerous slope to go down. And my concern is that our faith is not going to be developed. And what will ultimately happen, ultimately, is the next generation is going to grow up and say, God, who is God? 
We don't need God. I don't need to trust God. The only person I need to trust is me and what I can do to make this better. Be careful, family. It's a slippery slope when you don't trust Yahweh and his work in your life and in the life of this nation. All right, now, so let's go, let's go, let's go. So why is Shechem so important? Shechem is important because of what he did for Abram. That's the place of the seed. Because of what he did for Jacob. This is the place where Jacob had to go bury all his gods. Why is this important? Because it's the place of Moses, where Moses had to warn the children of Israel that on this side, if you do this, you'll obey. If you do this, you'll be disciplined. It's the place of Joshua, where Joshua is now calling them to action. You know what else this is? This is the place where Joseph, was sold into slavery. You know what else this is? This is the place where Jesus met the woman at the well. It has so much history. It has so much history that, that my boy Joshua goes back here and says, let me recall for you all the things that your God has done so that you never forget who this God is. Why? Because he's nervous that they're going to forget. And if they forget then they will graze up a generation that does not know God. Number three, oftentimes it is difficult to appreciate what you cannot see. Oftentimes. There's stuff going on inside of you that you can't see, and that's why you don't appreciate it, and that's why you take it for, for, um, for granted. There's stuff. Some of you are sitting in the sanctuary now. There's stuff you can't appreciate. You, only people that can appreciate it is the people who were here 10 years ago. See, because if you can't appreciate the fact that they get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, go get a truck, bring the truck over, set up the whole lights, camera, action over there in a hotel, then you don't, you don't ever appreciate that. That's why you will come to church and say, well, why it's so hot in here? Why it's so cold in here? Because you didn't appreciate when they were getting up that early, lifting big old boxes, taking them in, creating the right environment so that you can come today and sit in a seat and enjoy the way you are so that you can watch on the screen today and enjoy everything that somebody else invested in. That's because if you can't see it, you can't appreciate it. Be careful, family. Be careful. Just because God don't come down and touch you, don't mean you shouldn't appreciate his handiwork behind the scenes. Be, be careful. Be care That's why you worship God. For the stuff you don't even know that he's doing. We only want to worship him when we see what he does. There's some stuff he's, he don't show you, but you need to know. Just because you don't see him working don't mean he ain't working. Watch the next one. Number four. Don't miss it, fam. Don't miss it. Number four says, what's important is not, ooh, is not just what I see in front of me. It's also what God is doing behind me. I've never seen these two thoughts in the text before, but I want you to watch the first one I said in worship. Why is it that when he's giving and recalling what God has done, why does he never mention the parting of the Red Sea? He doesn't even mention it. This bothers me in the text. Why does he mention the parting of the Red Sea? Here's what he does mention. Here's what he does mention. Verse 5, then I sent Aaron, Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt. I did that. I brought, I brought you out. Verse number 6. I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea. Notice what he says next. The Egyptian pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Watch verse 7. Your fathers cried out to the Lord, so he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Do you hear that? 
He doesn't say that, they, that Moses went out, he put his rod, and the seas walled up, and then the children, he forgets all, he don't even put any of that in there. He put something in there that you didn't know. I didn't know either. He put something in there. In other words, he's showing you the impossible and the invisible miracles that's God doing that you are not even fully aware of. He says, when you were walking over on dry land, they would have gotten you if I didn't come behind you and put up a great cloud of darkness so they could not even see you, so they didn't even know where to go because I was working it out while you was marching forward. The way your God works is you don't be, don't you dare think you have all the power and you get to do this and you get to do that. That's what God's allowing you to do while he's still working stuff out behind you so that the enemy don't get you. As if that wasn't enough, I want you to watch another verse where he tells you what he is doing. I've never seen this before either, but watch the text. Verse number 12. Well, let's go before verse number 12. Let's go to verse number 11. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The people of Jericho, as well as the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, all of them, fought against you. But I handed them over to you. God, how did you hand them over to them? Watch the text. The text says, I sent the hornets ahead of you. I never heard that before. What you mean hornets? Ain't nobody say you sent no hornets. That's in Egypt. That ain't here. What you mean you sent hornets? That's because God even goes not only behind you, but God goes in front of you. <laughs> and by the time you get there, the people are so terrified that they just say, okay, you get it, you take it, you take what we have. Here's why. Because God has an army of little, 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 little insects, little, little bees, little hornets that he sends ahead of them to terrify them that you did not even know that he did. Just to soften them up so that they would be terrified of you before you got to the battle. So don't think you defeated Jericho all because you marched around and yelled. No, I defeated Jericho because I sent them, which is why in Jericho, when you read the earlier chapters, it says they were terrified of them because he sent hornets before. I wonder if anybody here knows that God will send something to terrify and terrorize your enemies so that by the time you show up, they are willing to give you whatever you want. It's not because of you. It's because of how good your God is. And he is working things out before you even show up. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you dare forget the greatness of your God. Ladies and gentlemen, don't you ever give to anybody else what God is doing in his plan as he works it out. It is God who we serve. It is God who we worship. It is God who we celebrate. It is God who we declare. You are God and there is none other like you. Don't you dare give that to anybody else but Yahweh God. He's just trying to tell you, hey man, be careful, be careful, be careful. But what's his major concern? Turn the page over. But what's his major, major, major concern here? This is where I'm trying to get to. See, his concern, Joshua's concern, is that um, your faith is going to be spiritually compromised. That's his concern, your faith. But, but, but it's not going to be bold. It's not going to be crazy. It's not going to be obvious. It's going to happen one drop at a time. That's what he's concerned about. 
He's concerned that you're going to let other influences influence you. And before you know it, you ain't even serving Yahweh anymore. That's his concern. It's a small drop at a time. What does an idol mean? An idol is anything or anyone that overrules God. Anything or anyone that takes the credit for God. Anything or anyone that comes between you and the Lord. So he contrasted his great work with these sets of gods. Number one. The God of your, the gods of your heritage. Number two, the gods of your upbringing. Number three, the gods of your culture. And he uses the, 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 the water to distinguish between all three. He says it's either going to be the gods you learned when you were at Moses on the other side of the Euphrates River, or it's going to be the God that you learned on the other side, you're in the wilderness now, uh, of the Red Sea, or it's going to be the gods you learned on the other side of the Jordan when you went into the lands of the Amorites. He says, it's three kind of gods. So the three kind of gods you're going to struggle with, and I'm going to struggle with, I'm going to make it plain for you now, is the gods of your heritage, the gods of your upbringing, or the gods of your culture. Now, let me show you. Before you look and you say, I can't believe they bought idols and put them in God's place. Let me show you how me and you do the same thing. So this is the section where you get to apply God's word. Because what I want you to do is circle your God. The little drip that's falling in. That's what I want you to circle. There's a God that all of us have in every one of these categories. And you need to call that God out today. Because your kids, it's a little God for you. It will be massive for your kids. Here we go. There are three sets of them. First of all, let's walk through them real quickly. He tells us, um, you have the horoscope. Don't let me get started. The horoscope. Some of you still, well, 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 let me go see what my sign says about me today. You're overruling God. You don't even know it. You think it's just cute. But you're overruling God. You're putting your trust in your sign. I'm a Capricorn. You're putting your trust in your sign. You're wearing your sign as if it has some protective God that will protect you as if whatever they say is going to happen to you, is going to happen to you. And you wear the t-shirt and you be like, look at me. Yeah, this is cool. Well, and then you get married based on your, oh, you're Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn too. Oh, that must be God right here. overruling God all because of a sign be careful fam be careful because you're saying to God God you have competing deities and you don't even know it because just a little drop that you it ain't harming nobody it's not that bad number two ooh parents watch this the God of progress this is for all of America the God of progress. I can't be who I am unless I get more stuff done. So if I don't get more stuff done, then I don't feel good. You know what the word joyful means? It means you're full of joy. The closer you are to Jesus, the more joy you have. If you're full of joy, then you have no room for anything else in there. So that's why you don't get your joy from progress. You get your joy from Jesus. Parents, be careful because you can allow your kids to see you as God. Because you can solve all their problems for them and they always come to you and you never redirect them to God. So before you know it, they think you're God and not Yahweh. 
Because everything, oh yeah, can I get this? Can I do this? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we going to fix that? Oh, yeah. We're going to fix that. We go, hey, have you prayed about that yet? Because I need you to know there is somebody much more smarter, wiser, and stronger than your dad. And that's Yahweh. Are you pointing your kids to Yahweh? Or do you want them to see you as the superstar? Is Jesus the superstar or is it you? Be careful, fam. Without knowing it, just little drops, little drops, little drops. And we're allowing other gods in our house. Here's the next one. Don't let's, don't, I'm not even talking about money. I'm not even talking about marriage. Some of you, some of you singles, you, you, ever since you came out of the womb, you've been wanting to get married. And now all of a sudden, you are losing your good mind. You have no joy, no contentment, no happiness because you're not married. And you've allowed the God of marriage to show up. So when I look at your life and when I look at what God's calling you to do, all I can see is... The fact that you put, you put marriage in the number one slot and your whole world, all you do now is think about marriage, marriage, marriage. Every day you get up, marriage, 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 marriage. You haven't even looked at God yet. You're looking to see if anybody swipe left. A marriage, 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 marriage. We're letting in other gods. That overrule what God says. This is the day that the Lord has made. You should be rejoicing. Not mourning. What do you mean you're mourning? You mourn. Oh, well, our guy didn't win. And I'm mourning. Are you kidding me? This is the day the Lord has made. You should be rejoicing. Not because of who's in the White House. But because of the fact that your God still resides on the throne. What's wrong with you? Those of you who are rejoicing. Is that where your joy is coming from? Or is it coming from the God who sits on high? So if your guy didn't win or if your guy won, you, you, you would have been up or down based on that? When your God still sits on the throne of heaven? What is wrong with us? No wonder our kids are saying, Ooh, who's going to win? Who, we gonna be, it's going to be a dark four years if one win, and it's going to be a dark four years if the other win. And, and all of a sudden, your kid's watching you act a plum fool. As if there's no God in heaven. No, 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 no. Somebody's going to throw this out, and somebody's going to say, well, are you telling us we shouldn't vote? Absolutely not. I'm saying they can get the number five or six or seven slot, but not the number one slot. Nobody determines, nobody determines my joy except Jesus. Nobody, nobody's what, ain't nobody died for me except Jesus. So that's why he deserves the number one slot. So don't, don't let, don't, 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 come on family. There's people watching you. The text won't say, lady, you're supposed to be a witness. Let's keep going. Anyways, that's just the first part. No, let's, no, no, no. I can't leave religion. I got to go, though. I can't leave religion. Because be careful, because some of us have been taught that you have to come to church to check the box. You got to pay your tithes to check the box. You got to do all these things. And this is what will make you right with God. That is not what makes you right with God. Amen. Let me clarify for you. If you think giving makes you right with God, then stop it. Because you're fooling yourself. It is a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ that makes you right with God. 
No, once you get that personal intimate relationship with God, then giving, then going to church is an outflow of that. But it is not the condition for your salvation or your sanctification. That's not how you grow in Christ. You grow based on your personal intimate relationship with God. So don't let, don't let, don't let the last generation taught us that it was all about religion. Don't repeat that to the next one. It is all about your personal relationship with God. So your kids must regularly bump into you on your knees in the word of God. They must regularly see you do that. So they know where they're, where you put your hope. They must not regularly see you on social media. They must regularly see you before Face down before God. Oops, sorry, mom. Sorry, I thought when you finish, I've got a question for you. They must honor the fact that they see you before God and they know I'm not disturbing mama now. She's talking to the creator of the universe. That's what ought to be normal. They must see you have more passion, more, 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 more zeal for people going to hell and making sure they go to heaven than they do see you watching a debate or watching a, a news report and say, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. They need to see that passion for Jesus. I need your applause. I'm telling you, I didn't need it today because I know I'm in the text. You're serving another God and you don't even know it. Here we go. And by the way, I ain't mad. So don't say, oh, he mad today. I ain't mad. I'm trying to show you what the text says. Quit mixing gods. All right, anyway, come on, come on, come on. Because the second one don't get better. The gods of your upbringing, <laughs> the gods of your upbringing don't get no better. Watch it, come here. Uh, identity, that is who defines who you are. Who defines who, is it the word of God that defines who you are? He said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Then why all of a sudden you're spending billions and billions of dollars making sure this is bigger, this is smaller, this is tinier, this is every single thing else. Listen, 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 come here, come here, come here. God says, I love you just the way you are. I created you just the way you are. I desire you just the way you are. And yet still, what we look like, how we feel about how we look, everything else, is, and we don't even realize it. We just think, I just want to be cute. And we don't realize that something is creeping inside and telling you you're not that good. You're not good enough. And they're saying God's lying. God didn't really believe that. Just like he did Eve in the garden. Are you kidding me? God don't want that for you. Remember how he did that with Eve? Same thing. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Are your careers, your phone? I can stay all day on your phones. Do you realize how we can't do without them now? Do you realize how, I mean, your kids having a deep conversation with you? You'd be like, One second. You can't do without it? That's why the next two months we're going to be doing fasting. December, we're going, to do, we're going to do this whole thing on Advent, reading the Word. January, we do it every year. Why? Because I need us to remember that it is the spiritual disciplines that starves these idols that we have in our lives so that God can get his ultimate place of priority. If we don't do it, fam, I'm just telling you, fam, if we don't do it, the next generation will say there is no God. And then you'll be shocked. Why? Why? And you won't realize that me and you did it because we mixed gods. Uh, addictive behaviors. Let's go to the third one. Third one says, uh, from the side of Jordan, the gods of our culture. 
Let me give you some of them. You ready? Um, entertainment, I could stay there all day. Comfort, I could stay there all day. Politics, I could stay there all day. Children, worshiping our children, we could stay there all day. Sex, we could stay there all day. Control, we could stay there all day. Ethnicity, we could stay there all day. Uh, beauty, we could stay there all day. The desire to be married or worshiping your marriage itself, we could stay there all day. These are God. So here's what I want you to do. Just, just as, I, as I continue going, just circle the God in each section that you have allowed. Just a little drop. Just a little drop that now dilutes Yahweh. Let's keep going. Here's what he really does say now. He highlights these gods, and then let's pick it up, and then let's see if we can land this plane. Verse number 14. Here's what he says. Uh, here's his real charge. A hundred-year-old man. He is telling them something. Here's what he says. Bottom part of verse 15, you have three things that he says. He says, number one, men, this is for you. First, men. He says, here are the hallmarks. He says, um, 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 but for me and my house, we will serve. The, you do what you do. But you need to know, as for me, Joshua said, and my house, everybody that's aligned with me, we're going to serve the Lord. In other words, he said, he understands his, his covering responsibility. As for me and everybody in my lineage that, is re, that I'm responsible for, that is me, my wife, my kids, my kids, kids, everybody else. I'm going to pass on, but everybody else, we are going to serve the Lord. Gentlemen, here's what he decided. That I have the covering responsibility of everybody that bears my name. And I'm going to make sure, no matter what happens, that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The problem in America is that we have too many men that are like jellyfish Christians. You know how they get their food? They go from wave to wave. They just have to go along with the wave of the culture to get their food. God says, I don't want no jellyfish Christian men. I want some dolphin men. You know how dolphins get their food? They got to die for their food and they got to go get their food. God is saying, we have too many men that don't know the word of God. I want men who want to be self-feeders who go get their food and don't have to wait on a podcast or a sermon for somebody else's chewed up food to then get it as the drift, as the wave drift them from place to place. Then they go get food from somebody else. I am calling for a generation of men that says, I'm going to be just like the dolphin and I'm going to go get the food. I'm going to mine it from the word of God so that I can teach it to the rest of my family. That's what we're longing for. If you're a head of household, that's what we're longing for. A generation of men that understand their times that can exegete the word and that can speak the truth from the word to their times. And they don't just listen to what everybody else around them is saying, but they can understand it and discern the truth from a lie and can minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of it. Not minister a political party, minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in the midst of that. That's what we're looking for. That's what we need. He says, first me. Then he says, so it's a personal commitment. Then secondly, it's a family commitment. So he's saying, hey, man, I have the responsibility of leading my family. So I got to make sure. He says, I have, made a I have decided that my decisions will be defined not by the culture around me, but by the Christ inside of me. I will live my life based on the word of God and the will of God for me. That's what he says. How about you, fellas? How about you, ladies? Is that what you're saying, too? I'm not going to let the culture decide for me. I'm going to let the word of God and the Christ in me decide for me. That's what he says. Then he says, I'm going to make sure my family gets there because it's a family commitment. So I'm going to gather the family around. And I'm going to say, fam, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Here's what that means. That means, fam, I can't let you watch anything you want to watch. 
That means I now need to know what you're watching. Because I'm not going to let the culture determine how you think about God. And ladies and gentlemen, if you think that the television is not discipling your kid, you're making a sad mistake. That's why you can't just give them anything they want. Because the culture knows that if they get to the kids, they've gotten in your family. The enemy knows, if I get to these kids and I make them question the God that your parents serve, then I've got them. So I can't just let them watch anything because now they're trying to even get you with the ads. Since you won't let them watch, now I put it on a football game and I let the ads get you. Now you got to disciple your kids through the ads when you see ads. Well, what does that mean? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Then he thirdly, he said, watch the next one. Then the thirdly, he says, it's culture-wide commitment. Culture-wide commitment. In other words, taking the place and speaking truth to the culture. In other words, here's what God really desires us to do. He desires us, one, you take it personally as the man. Then you make sure your family does. Then you make sure, here we go. Now the family is influencing the culture, not the culture influencing the family. He said, Pastor, where you get that from? Look at the first part of verse 15. Here's what it says. First part of verse 15 says this. Um, it says, but if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh. In other words, if, if, if it's not the popular thing to do, if the culture don't want you to do it and you want to follow the culture, if it doesn't please you, then listen, you choose for yourself who you will worship. He's saying, I want you to make sure that it's not just you, it's not just your family, but your family now speaks out in the culture. You see, because the culture is trying to influence you. They're trying to influence you racially. They're trying to influence you politically. They're trying to influence you. And you know what Christians are doing? They're simply saying, since the culture is trying to do it, let me jump on the culture side. Yeah, I got an opinion about that too. I got, no, 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 no. You're supposed to come on this side and say, as for me and my house, I'm going to tell you what God says about this issue. Here's what his word says about the issue. I don't care about what the popular media says. I care about what God's word says. And that's what we need a generation of. So every facet of your life is being influenced by the word of God so that when your kids see you. They see you exegeting the culture, exegeting the word of God, and taking the word to the culture, not taking the culture to the word. Let me help you out another way. See, in, um, in the game of football, in the game of football, everything that happen in the game of football is related to this ball. Everything. If you're going to score a touchdown, it's related to where the ball is. If the ball is nowhere near the goal line, then it's not a touchdown. If the ball crosses the plane of the goal line, then it is a touchdown. If there's a field goal that's kicked, everything is in relation shaped to the ball. There's a field goal. Did it go through the uprights or did it go just right or just left? If it went just right or just, everything relates right back to the football. If there's an offsides, everything relates to the football. Where you put a football, and whether they jump offside or not, it's related to the football. If the ball, if it goes outside, everything relates to where was the ball? Was the ball completely caught? Were both feet in? But it all relates, listen family, to the football. Everything in life, in the game of football, is all related to the ball. Can I tell you what God says? Everything in your life should be related to Jesus Christ. 
no matter where you are today. Well, pastor, I'm going to the office. Then you should take Jesus with you to that office because everything you do is related to your relationship with Jesus. Well, I have some friends who are talking politics. Well, you don't leave poli- you don't leave Jesus on the side. You take Jesus into the discussion about politics so that everybody know that every, if you want to hear what I think, it's all related to what Jesus thinks. Well, to an ethnic discussion. Well, everything is related to what Jesus has to say about the issue. We have too many Christians follow, followers of Jesus Christ that care about what the culture has to say this way, but not what Christ has to say this way. And part of the problem is we don't know the word of God. So we don't know what he has to say. So as Joshua ended his talk, he said, hey man, do you even know what your idols are? So I want you to write down yours now. I want to give you one minute to circle the idols that are infecting the purity of Yahweh in your life. And I want you to say, God, that's from me and my house. We will not let these idols get in the way of who you are and you being in the number one slot. So if that's you today, will you take the next 15 seconds or so and write that down? Just take 15 minutes, just in the background, just sing the song for me. Just in the background, just right where you are, just sing it. Um, while they take a time of reflection. If you're online, just write, just look at your notes. If you don't have it, download the app and then just write down. There's three categories in your heritage, in your upbringing, and in your culture. What's the God that's dropping little drops slowly and compromising the God that you serve? Come on, family. It's a time for your reflection. If you're online, you want to put it in the chat? Which one's that for you? Come on, fam. Which one's that for you? Come on. 15 more seconds and then we're done. This is your turn. You and God. God, I, I don't want the culture to influence me. I don't want to water you down. I don't want to model a God that, that, that the world will not even recognize. Come on, fam. The stakes are too high for us. God's been faithful over and over again. For generations upon generations, he's been faithful. He's worthy of the purity of your worship, not the diluting of your worship. Come on, fam. You got five more seconds and then our prayer sound. Come on. If you're in the house today and if you have identified the God that wants to dilute Yahweh, then I want you to stand. If, you, if you've identified one or two, then I want you to stand right where you are. Just stand right where you are. When you finish, if you're not finished yet, you're still thinking, keep seated. But if you finish, you've identified it, then I want you to stand. I've identified three on mine. Three. That wants to creep in and disrupt Yahweh. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, here we are. As Joshua was at Shechem right before he died, this is his last message before he goes. He says, please, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God, I pray that on this day, right after the elections, that everybody in here will say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We identified, God, these, these, these gods, these small G gods that want to that infiltrate our relationship with you. 
And God, today we're saying we're rejecting them. Every last one in the name of Jesus. We're rejecting them and we're saying you have no place in the number one slot. As for me and my house, God owns the number one slot and he will own it as long as I live. If that's you, ladies and gentlemen, then put your hands together and let's tell God how much we're committed to him this time. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we are, God. We're saying, as for me, as for this family, we're going to serve you. And we're going to serve you faithfully. Be with us, God. May your favor shine upon us, God. May we take you in every form of society. Wherever we go, will we take you and will you have and be front and center. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Put your hands together one more time. Thanks, everybody. All right, you may be seated if you're in the house. Um, let me give you a couple of things before we send it over to our app time. Please remember, if you're here and you want prayer, um, then I want you to come up in a moment. Um, when we dismiss, I want you to come up. We'll have some men up here that will pray for you, some ladies that will pray for you. Um, and so don't just run out. We want to pray for you. We really do. Number two, if you're here and you want to have a conversation about Jesus, if you're online and you want to have a conversation about Jesus, then all you have to do is just check, hey man, next, take the next step and they'll have a relationship and they'll talk to you about how to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here and you're trying to figure out, hey man, how do I, how do I come back to God? I see I've been infiltrated and I want to come back. Then you can come down. If you're in the house, you can come down. If not, just go to next steps. Put it up, put a QR code right by your phone and you can pick it up and you can answer those questions and we'll go there and have that conversation with you. Uh, men, remember, we have man church this Wednesday. Every man in the house should be either online or some of you can come here. A small contingent can come here on Wednesday night as we chop it up as men of God. And as we take the rightful role of saying, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. All right? Thanks, family, for being here. Hey, why don't you take it away, uh, Pastor G and Jan? Why don't you take it away? And then let me talk to the people in the house.